morning everyone. So usually in the morning I just ask if you have any questions. So free to uh, ask whatever you like about anything. Yes? I think I wrote in response because I didn't get yellow yet. Right, okay. Um, I just wanted to know what the point of austerity is. I think sometimes you can easily lose the point of where it is, you know, like that. The brown tribes were trained to take both challenges. Obviously, the more regular principles of austerity. Um, you know, there's so many that are in our philosophy. And I think another side part to that question is that a lot of times devotees speak of sickness or illness or like you go to India and if you get dysentery that's becoming purified it's all like an austerity in a sense so I just wanted to know like what is the how does it work like what is the point of it you know like if you say if you're sick and that's a purification how is it purification in the beginning of the creation it said that the uh, Brahma, Chaturmukh Brahma, four-headed Brahma, he uh, searched out his origin. Brahma is the is the, uh, the idea of, of Brahma is the is the collective of uh, jiva souls, individual souls. The, collective. Sometimes you may have heard that the jiva is born first as Brahma, the conditioned soul. It means that all these jiva souls, all of us, they're different types of us. We're all pretty much the same, but there are other types as well. And um, the jiva souls that have their origin in, in Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is the uh, is the expression of divinity that uh, is involved in, in what we call the play of, of of creation, the world. It's called Shristi Lila. He he the one desired to become many. So many souls manifest and because he has some re- relationship with maya material nature as the presider over that when he became many they be- many became involved with maya with material nature this is the idea so how that takes place is that all these jivas are in like a like a sleeping condition Within Vishnu, in a, in a you know almost a homogeneous type of uh, condition state, so from homogeneity they they move towards heterogeneity, and the dis- and and they're distinguished from one another, materially speaking, by the. Uh, what we call karma, which has no beginning. That's a huge topic, obviously. But um, So, 
karma very briefly? Karma is, is in one sense, the principle of, of justice. But we often, devotees I've seen often think of the principle of karma in, in terms of its being justice in a kind of a Christian way which is not uh, the way in which we, uh, the, the Gaudiya, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, Gaudiya Vedanta speaks about karma. Karma means that, that, that um, material nature is habituated in a particular way. And in the material, and when we, well, let's say, when we interact with material nature, there's a response. In a sense, you see, God's not involved. It's not like you've done something bad, so God is punishing you. That's not how we look at karma. But you you interact through thinking, willing, through actual physical action. You, you put something out into the environment in relation to material nature, and, and something comes back. And it's very precise, very exacting, and... And um, and so this has been going on for, for uh, since 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 forever in cycles, right? So the universe expands and it contracts. When it contracts, all these soul all these souls are wound up into Vishnu, and then they, when it expands by His will to again become many again move from homogeneity to heterogeneity and in the course of that movement the first kind of principal movement from homogeneity to heterogeneity is the appearance of Brahma so he's like the collective Samasti Jeev the collective of all the Jivas and then as he manifests the world through the power he derives from Vishnu then uh, souls are placed in, in different positions and differentiated from one another by the principle of, of karma that is suspended during the contraction of the universe. So, this, uh, this is the, the story, if you will, of creation. There's a lot of uh, philosophy to all this, but this is the story. And... Uh, and Brahma, he's uh, depicted as four-headed, and he's uh, firstborn. So, he what does he do? Is he searches out his origin, and so he's got four heads. So he does it. He looks in all directions. It means very seriously seeks out what is my source, and in his. Uh, his approach in that regard is, is 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 fully sincere. He's driven by this, and and really, it's the predominating influence in his life. And so he gets an answer. He gets a a he hears the sound ta pa, two letters of the Sanskrit alphabet ta pa, and it means. Austerity, tapa. So he could understand from that that 
I shall perform austerity, and this will be the means of knowing by what how the means by which I will I will come to know the answer to my my question, my pursuit. What is my source? What is my origin? Which includes what am I about? What is my purpose? What's the meaning of life? And all these things. So, in a, in a general sense, this uh, this was the answer. Therefore, austerity is very important. Hmm? Austerity, tapa, tapa means also knowledge. So, how how do the two go together? Austerity and knowledge. Well, if you want to know something, then you have to think deeply about it, right? You have to sit and and and, and you have to find maybe uh, a situation where there's not a lot of distractions, sensual distractions, a quiet place. Find a quiet place, sit down, and let me think about it. If you want to study, you go to the library. It's quiet there. It's, it's conducive for that. So the idea here is that by the, the, the sense objects that attract our senses, things to see for our eyes, things to hear for our ears, things to smell for our nose, things to touch for our tactile sense and so forth, when we are interacting with these things, when our senses are interacting with sense objects, then to that extent, we're not thinking. We're not thinking very deeply. That's not a well thought out thing to do. Why is that? Because what we want is to be happy. And dukkha yonaya evate, Krishna says in the Gita, and wisely, that the contact between the senses and the sense objects, he says, this gives birth to misery. Very simply put, why? Because the sense objects are here today and gone tomorrow. So, if you're attached to them and they're the source of your happiness, they will inevitably be the source of your distress because they won't be there one day. So even if you like it, you say, well, it's not, of course, a source of misery for me, Maharaj, Swami. I like that. That's okay. <laughs> but then I have to inform you that you can't keep it. So as much as you like it, and as much as it becomes a source of misery, in due course. So such is the nature of the material experience. It's constantly in flux and in transformation. As we say in common English parlance, here today and gone tomorrow. So, Contact with the sense objects. I'm talking in, in gener, general, generalizing here, of course. Everyone has to determine wisely to what extent they can. They need to be in touch with sense objects in order to have the balance in their life to pursue the kind of things that we're talking about. So when I say, "Oh, sense objects are the source of misery." And you cannot run out of here today and say, I will never contact a sense object again. 
Maharaj said it was a source of misery. I understood his point. You, know, you cannot live like that. So we have to have some interaction with sense objects. Even the monk has a license to, to beg for food, cloth, some minimal shelter, and so forth. So, Ishavasyamidam sarvam yat kincha jagatyam jagat jena tukkena bunita mahavidaha kasyasiddhanam Ishopanishad says there's a quota for everybody. So, with good guidance we can learn to live within quota and it, it also means that, there, that we should have some balance in our life. But in general, in principle, sense objects are a source of misery. So our lives should not be solely preoccupied with that, or it will otherwise it will be a miserable existence. So when we, to the extent that we have, are in touch with sense objects, in pursuit of joy, again we're not thinking very deeply. And when we want to think deeply, we we tend to move away from the physical preoccupations that tend to distract us from from thinking deeply. If they don't, uh, then then they, then they would no longer be objects of attraction for us. <laughs> so they're they're deceiving in a sense. Do you see? Since objects uh, deceive us into thinking poorly, not 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 wisely. So when you want to think deeply, then you, you, you find a quiet place and you, you sit down without distractions. It means you move away from the, the, the physical realm to enter into the mental and intellectual realm. In our philosophy, these are two realms of matter, a crude, more, more gross a form of matter and a subtle form, mental and intellectual being the subtle form, and the world of the senses, the physical realm, being the, the gross form. Um, just like, and here, of course, is a generalization also, but you tend to find that uh, intellectuals are maybe oftentimes less inclined towards um, sports bars and the physical, you know, Experience and joys of of uh, soccer and football and and things like that. So thinking deeply and sense enjoyment don't go that well together. And austerity, of course, there's different types of austerity, but the most basic type of austerity is a physical austerity. So when we voluntarily accept physical um, austerities, we have to accept physical austerities anyway, but, but, but that's unavoidable. But when we do it voluntarily, then some knowing, some greater knowing will be the fruit of that. So Brahma understood this principle. It's the same thing we've talked about many times that I like to talk about. The same principle that that by by giving you will get austerity, penance, sacrifice. Hmm. See, these are all uh, connected, all related. 
Brahma learned at the beginning that things aren't what they seem. Getting, receiving, knowing, understanding comes about in a, in a, in a, in a mystical way. By austerity, by penance, by sacrifice. He underwent sacrifice. Sacrifice is a, is a, is a, is a kind of a preliminary or crude form of, of love. It, it, it's the underpinning of love. Love is about giving. So at some point, giving will be a sacrifice, giving will be a penance, it'll be an austerity, right? But as we as we do that, and we do it voluntarily with understanding and so forth, some getting starts to, we start to accrue some getting, and then the giving becomes not an austerity anymore, not a, not a, a, a penance, not a sacrifice, but it, it, it becomes love. It means, it means that, the, that, that we don't, although it might be perceived by others to be a sacrifice, we don't perceive it as as such. So, this is the general idea behind uh, austerity, its, it's, it's value. It's synonymous, as I say, with, with, with knowledge. Now, that doesn't mean to say that it can't be uh, abused. And in one sense, austerity in and of itself is hardly the preoccupation of, uh, of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is not very world-denying. It's world-embracing, actually. But it does teach that in order to embrace the world, one has to know what it is. So in order to know what something is, sometimes you have to step back from it. Because if you're too close to it, you can't see what it is. If you have a bias towards something, oh, then you can't see it objectively. So you have to step back and get an objective view, and then you can see it for what it is, and then you can know how to embrace it. So austerity is in, 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 in renunciation, which is they go together, is about in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, taking a step back from the world to see it for what it really is. And what is it? Well, we see it all in relation to Krishna. So when we see that, then we can enter into it and not be um, bewildered by it. Thus we can interact with, uh, with sense objects in such a way that they will not be a source of misery. Because we we identify the sense objects as... as, um, as as the energy of Krishna, for the purpose to be exploited for the purpose of, of 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 Krishna, for the enjoyment of God, and so forth, and and this way, Vaishnav sometimes is difficult to uh, difficult to understand. Vaishnavera he or she may interact with the world and not appear at all to be a person of austerity or renunciation. But that's not, of course, to be imitated. So, in the preliminary stages, then there's some place for austerity. But it has to be done in in uh, in balance. In other words, if we, um, as I said, everybody needs some interaction with sense objects. 
So we have to find a healthy balance. And that will be different for different people. So it's difficult to give just very uh, general, uh, everybody must perform certain austerities. Uh, what will be a balanced position for one will not be for another. So this is something every person has to be a thinking person and find that, that proper balance. You can get some good guidance in that regard. Find balance and then uh, from there uh, engage in what uh, the, the positive uh, culture of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hearing, chanting about Krishna, and so forth. So, um, if one has a, is having a problem with yeah. austerity, then it's likely that he or she is not in a, in a, in a very balanced position and may be in, intimidated by or influenced by um, a kind of a, um, a particular emphasis in, about, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that, that isn't, uh, isn't perhaps accurate or, or helpful. I saw myself that um, that Prabhupada would often, to use him as an example, say things and about Krishna consciousness, and devotees would latch on to certain things more than others. So generally, this happens. We tend to identify with the things that that, that uh, works well with our psychology, and then if you're an influential charismatic person, you, you, you may preach Gaudiya Vaishnavism with that kind of emphasis, and people end up thinking that this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. Like if Prabhupada would say, well, in the ancient Vedic culture, women weren't educated. They were, uh, you know, they were, uh, they stayed at home and they cooked. And so somebody picks up on that and says, women should stay at home. They shouldn't be educated. They should only cook. This is Krishna consciousness. And the same thing with uh, with austerity. Some may identify with austerity. Austerity is is uh, it should be somewhat natural. Our uh, austerity, and as I say, healthy, based on understanding, not just uh, blindly. And um, while you may go to India, as you said, and, and get sick, and somebody says, well, that was uh, just for your purification. There are other ways to explain that. You drank water that had you know, amoebas in it, and that's why you got sick. Um, and uh, sometimes we want to explain things from kind of a kind of artificially from the vantage point of a, of a, like a great soul who sees everything moving according to Krishna's will. That won't always be so so useful. If someone says, uh, Prabhupada said, oh, you know, go and do this, and the fellow comes back, the devotee comes back and says, well, Prabhupada, uh, you know, I, I went to, to deliver the money to the bank, but it fell out of my uh, bag, uh, and uh, by the time I got to the bank, there was no money there. Must have been Krishna's arrangement. He would have said that was Maya's arrangement, not Krishna's arrangement. And so, Krishna sanctions things. Nothing moves without the will of Krishna. But that doesn't mean that um, 
he necessarily wants everything that happens to happen. We have some, some will in the matter too, and he doesn't interfere with that. So, so to say, well, that was for your purification, that may be an interesting way to to think about that, but whether you it actually was a, that was actually a fact, and you actually got purified from getting sick and uh, having dysentery in India, I don't know. If you thought, if you think about it in a particular way, it may have a purifying effect. If you think I went to a holy place and uh, I got sick there, and um, so I guess I, uh, I was, uh, I don't know how you would think about it. <laughs> you may think like that, yeah. I may have, must have been offensive to, my, to devotees in my last life, now that, so now this is happening to me. But those are all conjectures, and they can be, uh, as helpful as they may be in some instances, they can be unhealthy and unhelpful also. So, um, I think anyway, in general, there's a, you have to find some some balance. Austerity has value. Um, cold showers. I mean, you know, it's, it's it, Krishna consciousness doesn't rest on taking cold showers. One of the one of my gavras once told Prabhupada took a warm shower. He said, "Yes, how else will you get clean?" <laughs> I know in a, a one time uh, uh, a godbrother of mine who was a sannyasi and uh, in charge of the Cleveland Temple. They bought a building in Cleveland and he came in and sawed off all the, uh, the hot, you know, oh. had them all sawed off so that you couldn't turn the hot water on. This was uh, austerity. So, uh, there has been some, perhaps, artificiality, and we are warned against artificial uh, austerities very much. Mahaprabhu um, very much cautioned against this. So, with balance, it's an important thing, and as I mentioned, and the principle behind it should be understood. And uh, ultimately, as I say, in a dynamic way, it, it comes to the whole idea of sacrifice and, and giving and... and, and uh, it, and and uh, physical austerity is, is 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 in one sense the least important of all of this. In other words, if if by living in a materially comfortable for you situation, you can serve Krishna more peacefully, and 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 and, and by and and perhaps use those resources effectively rather than be used by them, that will be much better than. Uh, and uh, just living in a, in a in an impoverished type of condition in the name of Krishna consciousness. That kind of what Bhaktivinoda Thakur said when, or meant when he was saying, you know, I think there's a quote where he says, "If any environmental things prevent like Krishna consciousness, then I don't." Right? Doesn't he? Isn't there a quote like that? Like, if there's winter or, or summer, if these prevent Krishna consciousness, then I reject them, or I, you know, I don't. Uh-huh. I haven't heard that quote, but it sounds I, I good. I can't remember the exact wording, but there's something in the songs. Mm-hmm. So, austerity for what then? Just like fasting. Fasting for what? We don't just fast 
but on certain days we fast. So if we look at why we fast, it's what's, the, what's, the, what's involved there. It's devotion to Krishna. Because Akadasi is the day of Krishna. So on that day, there's maybe some effort to be more involved in Krishna's service, less involved with mere bodily upkeep and such concerns. Now, Prabhupada said, Ekadasi means feasting, not fasting. You know the whole concept behind this, that in the Prakrita, in the, in, the, in the Leela of Krishna, the devotees will think, oh, today the moon is showing this particular phase, the 11th day of the waning or the waxing moon, and on that time the, it, the, the, uh, it affects the tides in such a way that the, the fluid in the body is increased. This is the theory. So when the fluid of the body is increased, it puts more pressure on the senses. So when it puts more pressure on the senses, the senses are more inclined to be in touch with the sense objects. Therefore, the neophyte is advised to fast on ecodicy. But in, in, in the Leela of Krishna, they think, oh, today... The fluids in Krishna's body are increasing and his capacity to enjoy the senses is increased. Therefore, we should make a feast and uh, and serve, uh, pamper him in so many ways uh, more. It depends from what angle of vision one is looking at it. Therefore, Prabhupada said, oh, codicy, it means feasting, not fasting. So it's... Uh, our focus should be primarily uh, positive, and in the context of a positive orientation towards serving Krishna, if some austerity is required, then we we happily embrace it. And it should come to the point where, as I say, it's not an austerity at all. Yes? Just <coughs> I guess there are two points. Um, Question on one austerity, but then the other, you know, if you get dysentery, do you get, is that purifying? And so you kind of answer, you were answering two tracks of that. Um, and I was just thinking about the, the verse, Tatena Kampam Susanishamana, that, you know, that if we see everything that comes to us, any kind of distress that comes to us as being a result of our mm-hmm. you know, past karmic activities, and we have that. That kind of mentality—that's what gives us our ticket back to God. You know, to be able to have that kind of mentality. Yeah, that—that is—that uh, is the uh, tolerance. What is the fruit of tolerance? What does Bhagavad Gita say? Krishna says, "Matraspashastakuntayasitoshnasukudukada." What is the next verse? Tolerate happiness and distress. Yeah, I mean, I'm not wanting to. Yeah, no, the sense of it. So, Amritam, what is it? So, Amritam, what is it? So, by tolerating heat, cold, happiness, distress, good, bad, all these things, Krishna says, you should tolerate, you should know these things are products of sense perception in relation to the mind, what is good, what is bad, what is hot, what is cold, it's all relative. The result, the fruit of tolerating that, so amritvaya kalpate. 
One lives eternally. One tastes the nectar of immortality. That's Bhagavad Gita. You're quoting Bhagavatam. So Bhagavatam is, is speaking to us from a, uh, a slightly different perspective. Gita says we should tolerate. Bhagavatam says we should see it all as favorable. It's a difference, a slight difference. To tolerate something and to embrace the same thing. It's not, one is an extension of the other. I tolerate this as an inconvenience, or I tolerate that because I think if I tolerate this, and, and I, for the sake of Krishna's service, that will be good for me. Or I tolerate, okay, I'm, uh, this is my due. I, I've sown seeds in the past, now the fruits are coming. If you eat, you have to pass stool. You can't complain about that when that happens. Just, uh, that, will, that will happen. You have to deal with that. Uh, so, from tolerating, if one gets the fruit of tolerating, oh, then he or she, when they start to taste the fruit, then they realize, oh, this is actually, if I, if I, if the environment, in Sheeta Marshall language, she explained that sloka that you quoted, the environment is friendly. These inconveniences, these, these difficulties that are coming, they're good for me, they're helping me, they're, they're reti- my past is, is being retired once and for all and I, because I'm embracing it rather than trying to react to it and counteract it it's me it's it's my own what I'm do rather than try to adjust and avoid it take what I'm do what what the the environment is seeking some retribution so okay let it have it in this way by embracing difficulty uh, and uh, um, calamities and so forth. One sees the environment as, as friendly. One, one sees, oh, this person has come to give me a hard time, and I'm, this is my past coming to me, so let me take it on. One has to be in a strong position of, of strong spiritual standing to be able to do that, like Vasudev, leper. Worms were on feeding on his body, and if they would fall off, he'd pick them back up again. Like all the poor things. This was the consciousness in which he was living. When, when, when Mahaprabhu, what did, uh, he asked Mahaprabhu, let me take the suffering of everyone uh, on, on, on myself, that they can go back to Godhead and I will remain here. So this had, had strong standing in devotion. Therefore he said, such person is the heir to the kingdom of God. So, he's already, already there. So we can't art, be artificial about that. Mentally we try to identify with that ideal and so on. And then that will be helpful helpful to us. So it's not so much as I say the, the, the sickness that purifies you, but the way you think about it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you said something really nice on Discussion in this regard, I just felt so nice that you said that the way we respond to our karma is what determines our future prospect. And I just thought mm-hmm. just, that, was, that was just very Yeah, the past and the future are now. So that's why we say everything is in the present. We have a past, we're experiencing it. 
in the form of our manifest karma. Karma is often thought to be a, a doctrine of predestination, but no, it's not really like that because we can how we respond in the present to our past that will determine our future. Does that answer your question? Kind of, yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a place for that. Find some balance. Don't 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 be um, whatever it is. You find a balance and where uh, what works for you which enables you to be enthusiastic about spiritual practice. Yes. Um, well, they're actually, they're, I could probably ask them, and they're, I think they're really related to this. Since I've been in contact with Krishna consciousness over the past six years, uh, i found essentially two things that have really inhibited my ability to try to draw nearer to Krishna. And a lot of it comes from my former orientation with Christianity. Uh, and there, as a Christian, I used to, I, I rejected Christianity and uh, basically the, the Old Testament teachings about Yahweh and uh, Yahweh's killing. And also Yahweh, uh, when, he, uh, when he was offended, basically like in the book of Leviticus, he would uh, kill the, uh, de- uh, his devotees for not offering the proper sacrifice and whatnot. I guess what my question is, is what's the difference between Krishna and how he kills, for example, when he kills a demon, or in how he deals with a devotee when there's an offense? I see. So because of what you read about Yahweh, you kind of got turned off to him. A little, well, yeah, fearful of that. Cause it, brought, it just immediately brought that perception, that old Christian perception of God back into my mind and kind of made me withdraw inwardly. The difference, though, is, is quite significant. The difference is that Krishna never kills any demons. There's a statement by a very learned devotee in Krishna Leela, he's the most learned devotee. Who's the most learned devotee in Krishna Leela? Uddhava, that's right, Uddhava. Uddhava is a friend of Krishna in, in Dwarka. He's counselor, so he has to be learned to be Krishna's personal advisor. <coughs> in Dwarka, Krishna is a prince, and so he has a brahminical advisor, a priest. Brahmins would advise the the uh, politicians. Brahman means learned, educated sector. Uh, so he said, Ho bakiyam stanakalakutam. There was a uh, sister of a, of a fellow named Bakasura. Ho bakiyam stanakalakutam. And she, she was named Puttana. And she uh, approached Krishna in Vrindavan in the pastoral setting where he's not a prince, but he's, he's just a village fellow, a cowherd person. Prince is quite different than a, than a cowherder. There's a huge difference between them. <laughs> so, there he was in his infancy, and Putana approached him with a very insidious uh, thing in mind. 
she wanted to kill him. That's bad enough. But how she wanted to kill him was even more significant. She uh, disguised herself as a nurse. And in the community, it was customary that mothers would share the responsibility of raising children. So there was a plurality of mothers that every child grew up with. <coughs> there was the principal mother from whom we got birth, like the Diksha Guru. And then there were so many Siksha Gurus, nursing, helping. So she came in disguised as one of those mothers, like a guru, like a Siksha Guru. And the nourishment which the guru would give through advice, she was going to give in the instance of the Leela, the, the pastime, uh, her the nourishment through the, the, the milk of her breast. So she put poison on, on the nipple of her breast. You see, this is when you take these things and you put them together. A mother, now you think about it, mother smears poison on breast. Nurse, nurse, nursemaid, mother has gone out, nursemaid smears poison on breast, feeds infant, as it would be like on CNN. You know, what a story, how could she do it? It's a very insidious, to, to, infant, infant on the one side, mother on the other side, and then she adopts such measures for, for trying to kill him. It's, it's horrible. So, Uddhava said, this is extraordinary. That uh, sister of Putana, of Bakasur, named Putana, she smeared poison on her breast to try to kill Krishna. And what did Krishna do? Krishna turned her into one of his eternal mothers. That's what he did. He turned her into an eternal mother. In other words, he gave her what we call Vatsalya Bhakti in his eternal um, drama. She got a position there. He completely overlooked anything that was uh, impure in her motivation. And just the fact that she was dressed as a devotee was enough for him. She was dressed as, as a mother. You see, Krishna is extremely generous. And if that's not enough, he appears as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in which he becomes, which his generosity is, is fully uh, expressed. It's, it's emphasized. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted no offenses. And if because of the order that he accepted as sannyas, in order to, to do justice to that socially, if someone offended, then um, he would have to say something, but they were reconciled in, through, for example, the person of, of Nityananda Prabhu, the other self of Gaur Krishna is Nityananda Prabhu through him. So, so in, in this way, they said the two, you get the combination, no offense, except, except no offense. They don't kill anyone. Krishna doesn't kill anyone either, 
in Braj, but Vishnu does. Vishnu does. So, Vishnu is inside of Krishna. Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. So all manifestations of Godhead are within Krishna. He's the source. So the Vishnu inside of Krishna killed Putana. But Krishna just closed his eyes. And while she was killed by Vishnu, Krishna gave her eternal motherhood. So Uddhava, such a learned fellow, he said, who in their right mind would take shelter of Yahweh? <laughs> Vishnu. Or anybody, any other manifestation of divinity than Krishna. Only a, a, a crazy person. Would, 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 he is so merciful, so uh, generous. So when we hear the leelas of Krishna's killing demons, it's not Krishna, it's the Vishnu inside of him. If you look deeply in the philosophy, you see, oh, Krishna's looking the other way, actually. Hmm. And in that, for that matter, uh, uh, against Krishna either, so it's worth saying, worth mentioning, that those that he might... God kills anybody, everybody anyway hand of time is, is a manifestation of God, so everyone has to die. So to blame God for killing someone is a little bit of a stretch. Who is he killing anyway? Who's killing who? Who's there to blame? You see, there is only God. God and his energy. So, one of the real problems in life is is that we, we that we make complaints against God as if we have some independent position. Actually, we don't. We are also Krishna. We are one of the shaktis, uh, the particle of one of the shaktis of Krishna. So, can you blame someone for doing what they want with themselves? Not really. Yeah. Who's to blame? There is no one else to. There's no. There's no one else. The problem is we think there's someone else. We think we have an independent existence. We don't. So, in a, in a, from the broadest perspective, it's all, it's all play. All this, this, this. What is this life? If God is to take it away, what is it anyway? When God takes it away, either by the hand of time or personally, in something like a like a, a leela, what's really happening? We're actually being instructed by that, as to the temporal nature of the whole affair. You see? The rising and setting of the sun, our life is being taken away every day. That's the hand of time. Every day we're dying, we're being killed by the rising and setting of the sun. But we don't think about it. Therefore, we, 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 pers we pursue things that, that have uh, no endurance, although we want enduring happiness. That's not very wise. So, even in the Leela, if Vishnu kills somebody, then they're liberated. But, but Krishna particularly is a manifestation, the, the, the full face of God. We say it's the heart of, of divinity. You know, if you are a Christian, then, then uh, Christians like to think that, that uh, Christ's appearance is the greatest what story ever told or greatest story on earth 
because it's an act in which God sacrificed his son for humanity or something like that. So in Christ, we find uh, a, a high degree of self-sacrifice. And that is certainly noble. But sacrifice, self-sacrifice, and self-forgetfulness, uh, they are not different, but one, the latter, is an extension, a development of the, fo- of the former. And when we consciously make a sacrifice for others, that's one thing. But when we, for, when, when, that means we're conscious of ourself. But when we're unconscious of ourself in love and we just do things, that is a development from self-sacrifice. We want to move from selfishness to self-sacrifice to self-forgetfulness. So the, the Braj Lila, Krishna Lila, Gaur Lila, this is, a, this is God showing self-forgetfulness, the value of self-forgetfulness. So we we, uh, we appreciate the idea of Christianity. A fellow told me once, I tried to sell him the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he said, I don't really need that. And he said, I said, well, why not? And he said, because in my religion, we know the social life of God. We know about the social life of God. I liked his answer. I thought, well, that's very nice. I said, yeah, that's pretty profound. He's saying, whatever is in your book... I know something more because I know about God in such intimate terms. We know his social life. So I said, well, that's great. Well, I said, well, what is his social life? He said, well, God had a son, sent his son to earth. And he told the whole story. And I said, well, you know, i tell you what. I think you ought to take this book anyway because this talks about his other sons and his wives and uh, <laughs> his un- unwedded friends and... Uh, this is the full story of the social life of God. In fact, this is the private social life of God. You know about something about the public social life. He sent his son. Good news. What is the good news? Law is superseded by love. This is the good news. This is the general doctrine of Christianity. Law is superseded by love. We agree with that. But talking about it is is, 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 is is one thing, and promoting self-sacrifice, all valuable. But Krishna Leela is the full expression of that reality, love above, above law. You study it, you come to that conclusion. So, does that bring you closer to Krishna? Yes, answer that question. Krishna is not about justice. Justice is a lower realm. Krishna is, Krishna, Krishna is about mercy. Mercy supersedes justice. There needs to be justice in order for there to be mercy. Because if there's no justice to override, then there cannot be mercy. So there are manifestations of divinity that preside over, over uh, in a way, uh, who are uh, more preoccupied with justice. There's a place for that. But Krishna, that's another thing. Hmm. That is mercy, love. So, we who are approaching Krishna, therefore, really we do have nothing to complain about. We're waiting in in a line to enter, and uh, the ticket is, you know, it's 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 a line of mercy. We can't complain there. 
as soon as we complain and ask for justice, we're out of there. We're thrown out. If justice is brought to bear, we don't even belong there. Hmm? It's wonderful that the highest expression of divinity, which is so, in one sense, unapproachable, because it is what it is, is therefore as approachable as it is. In other words, the highest manifestation of divinity is, is such, is the full expression of, of love and self-giving. As I said last night, Guru is giving, disciple must give, God is giving, in the form of Krishna and Gaur Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu especially, it's all about giving. And what, and what, what, if you take two things and put them together, the highest thing, and you give it to who? You give the highest thing to the most qualified people, right? But not Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He gave the highest thing to the most unqualified people. There you have full expression of, of magnanimity. Do you understand? Yes? Practitioner's own heart, free from the clutter of material desire, appears before him in the form of Sri Guru. Hmm. Very, I know it's very profound. Even that. Yes, it's mentioned like that. Chaitanya Charitamrita. It means that um, our, our, our possibility, our prospect in life, come before us in the practical manifestation that's so valuable to us, not theoretically but practically. The devotee takes the theory and brings it into the realm of the practical. Therefore, devotee's association is so valuable to us, much more than book uh, reading, Valuable, much more valuable to us is associating with advanced devotees. A book we may misunderstand. It cannot ask us, so did you understand, when we finish the page. But the saintly person in Vaishnav can say, well, did you understand? What did you understand? Tell me. And when you have not understood and it's apparent, he says, no, it's like this. So this is, sometimes he's described as an active agent of divinity as opposed to a passive agent of divinity, which scripture would be. So... The association of devotees, as I say, brings the theoretical in, into the realm of the practical. That we, we can, in their company, we can learn how to how to practice it. And practice will always be different than theory. You have to understand this point. Theory is one thing, but it will be different. But its application will be dynamic. So, book is sometimes people like to say now, just read the book, that's enough. This is not enough. It's not at all enough. Now, the book doesn't say that that's enough. Book to book doesn't say that. Who's ever saying that? Just read a book, you don't need a, a guru, for example. No. Book doesn't say that. Who's ever saying that's not reading the book? That's a problem. We need, we need guidance. We don't, we, if, we, if we don't want guidance, there's a problem for us. Most advanced devotees are crying. Narottam Dasdakar is crying. Oh, I lost the association of Rupa Sanatan, Krishna Das Kaviraj, this one, that one. What is my situation? I'm so, so pitiful. Mahaprabhu himself, through Rai Ramananda talked, the most uh, 
unfortunate thing in the world is to not have the association of advanced devotee, pure devotee of Krishna. So, devotees in general, and then the guru is, a, is one particular devotee. In the context of associating with devotees, who who we would associate with, because why? Because their faith, which is what moves them, has if, it affected us to some extent. So we've been affected by that to some extent. So we keep that company. In the context then of keeping the company of those devotees, one devotee stands out to us by his or her example and precept, and so we we take our uh, we, we latch on there. We, we we take shelter there. So that becomes our, that is our guru. So guru, yes, guru is our our uh, our very own um, our ideal, our highest ideal, our heart coming before us. It's not it's not a separate separate thing. One of my disciples once said that uh, she had joined me and. A friend, I think I've told this story before, she wrote, a friend wrote a letter and said, well, it's interesting that you're in that group and everything, but I just hope when you look in the mirror you smile. You can still smile. So he was thinking, yeah, it's okay that you're there and you, you sent me all this philosophy in your last letter, but are you really happy there? So she wrote back and said, actually, when I look in the, I used to look in the mirror and smile, but when I look in the mirror now, I don't smile, because I see, oh gosh, I've, I've seen so many things about, someone has shown me things about myself that, that I didn't know were there. I have been sweeping dirt under the rug for, for years, and, and so I, I'm, I don't have anything to smile about in one sense when I look at myself, but she said, when I look at my guru, then I smile. So I like that because I said, yeah, this is the point, that you see in, in your guru, you see your, your prospect, what you could be, all that you could be coming before you. And in, in, in a way, in a practical manifestation, by example, teaching, so this is very, this is, this is our own heart, this prospect, our ideal, coming before us, manifesting force, it's mystical. Uh, we should not have like some uh, like a separate idea. I'm here, Guru's there. This is how we related. You understand? And it's mentioned like that in Adi Lila of Chaitanya Charitamrita. I don't know if we have that. Yeah. We're having a discussion this morning um, about a point that you you made about Krishna may sanction something, but it may not be his will. Um, that, I mean, not exactly like you said, that he may sanction something, but it may not be... He may not want it, necessarily. He may not want it. Yeah, so it may not be his will. And I guess I have a hard time with that, because I, mean, I guess I feel that ultimately everything is happening for a higher purpose, and that the Lord is involved in... It's, he is involved in his creation, and that. Um, well, it's a difficult, obviously, question. The principle of free will is a huge issue, and from the broadest perspective, we can say there is no free will. That's what you're saying, basically, whether you realize it or not. But it's. Uh, we can't really function like that. 
at uh, this stage. So, again, if you if you if you just do that, then you blame Krishna for everything, right? It's Krishna's will just happened. Krishna must have wanted it. Krishna must have wanted it, and such a, such an atrocity happened. Krishna, must, this is not a very satisfactory way of, of answering everything. So, therefore, we say well, Jiva has Jiva soul has is is a, is a facsimile of Krishna, so it has some will also, and it has some allowance to exercise will, and and if it if it exercises will in a particular way, Krishna will reciprocate accordingly. I guess the thing that I have a problem with that then is that, you know, so one jiva may have a will to do something that may be hurtful or harmful to other jivas. And so Krishna is sanctioning that and allowing that to happen. And I guess unless I can... Un- or unless I can well, obviously there's a broader picture, and this is one, one frame in a movie of everyone's existence. So right. there's a past, and right. it's not always apparent exactly what it was. It's kind of like her... These are huge, you know, obviously theological, philosophical issues that every, and we've talked about this before, every tradition has to deal with what is evil and and how is God absolved from evil. And Godias absolve God from evil by way of positing anadi karma. This is Vedanta Sutra. Uh, what does Anadi mean? Uh, without beginning, beginningless karma. But ultimately, you, you, you see, sometimes you can't ask why about things, you can only ask the how. You can't even say, why does God exist? The fact is that God does exist. Why does evil exist? The fact is evil does exist. So how it exists should suffice. How it is existing. What is the dynamics? How it's how it's working. After all, there is no why to everything, ultimately. Reality is, is, is just expressing itself. And the background of that is joy. The background of that is its fullness. Because it's fullness, it's complete. It celebrates its fullness. Hmm? And in the course of celebrating its fullness, when that's viewed from different angles of vision, it appears to be one thing or another. We classify it this or we categorize it that, but ultimately that's from our limited vantage point that we we, we come to those conclusions. So then is it naive to think that, that everything that's happening is to ultimately have the jivas return to their original position? Well, with regard to the... Uh, you see, the, all 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 jivas are, first of all, unlimited. There's no limit to the number of jivas, so there's no point in time that all jivas will be liberated. So it's an ongoing lila kind of. Uh, I, I mean, can you? Think it's ongoing. That, is that? An, I guess thinking that, okay, the, the things that are going on now are to help to liberate the. The jivas that are here now, and it, I mean, it'll just continue. It's a fact. More jivas will come, and it'll continue. But that ultimately, Krishna wants us. To have it. 
That's why Vishnu, Vishnu manifests the jivas, and then he enters into the world to that they might meet their maker. Uh, Jiva, Krishna manifests uh, as in a form of avatar for the sake of the sadhakas. Of course, in the course in the course of doing that, other sadhakas are created, also. Yes, Rinarana. Um That brings up an interesting point because there's no jivas that are like created at a certain point in time. That's right. So it means that there's some jivas that never get that are eternally in illusion. Does it? Well, it has to. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no point that they all that everyone becomes liberated and they're all they're all existing now, there's no new jivas created, and there's some. Unless they are stupid Personally, he asked me, do you talk to Krishna? And I said, yes. And I want to tell you about that. Is um, I did that early on when I became a devotee because in the there's five things, thinking of Krishna as your maintainer, and one of them is thinking of Krishna as your friend. And then somebody gave me the book, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And in there he has a chapter about um, seeing God as your friend and speaking to him like you would a friend. And so I developed that practice and I kind of put it under one of the nine processes of a way to remember Krishna Mm -hmm. and conversing with him. So the astrologer asked me, do you talk to Krishna? So I said, yes. And then he said, does he talk back to you? And I thought about it very deeply and I said, no, I can't say that he does. And then I said, well, actually, yes, through people and things. And he said, no, I don't mean that. I mean, in your heart, does he speak to you? And I said, no. And he said, well, he does. And you need, this is something you need to work on. He said, this is, he said I don't tell this to all of my clients. He said, but you in particular, this is something with you. So I just, you know, I wanted to hear what you had to say about talking to Krishna and and Krishna well, speaking. The process that oh, that's part two. That's, oh, that's, that's a separate thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now you've got our interest. <laughs> 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 well, um, it sounds odd. I- advice, his advice sounds 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 odd, and um, I think that. Um, that Krishna, that that the form in which Krishna most predominantly manifests locally to deal with us. I mean, God's everywhere, right? But to deal with us locally and in a in a in a tailor-made 
way for our condition and so forth is is the manifestation of the of the of the guru. We say Chaitya Guru, the inner guru and Mahanta Guru. So in this way, in this sense, Krishna coming before us, Krishna's in our heart, Krishna coming before us in the form of the Guru to 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 talk to us. The deity is there. The deity doesn't talk to you for the most part because you're not ready. Because if he started talking to you, then then, then you would be too busy and, and you're already too busy with other things, you see. So when you give up those other things, then Krishna will start talking to you because you'll say, no, you're, you're, you're interested enough in me to to spend the kind of time that I require. <laughs> Do you understand? So the deity is very merciful that he doesn't talk. Hmm? <laughs> the guru, guru brings a form of Krishna in Prabhupada's language that we can handle. But if we handle him nicely, we can attract it to him. We start giving up other things, then he's then he starts to express himself that much more. And then he will talk. So that's one point. Another point is this: this um, well, God in the heart is a general idea. Is Paramatma? We're not interested in Paramatma. We are more interested in the Guru, who Sakshat Brajananandan. Who's, who, who manifest, who's a manifestation of Virjananda and Krishna, not Paramatma. Of course, if we love Krishna, then Krishna will be in our heart, not the Paramatma. Yam Shama Sundaram, Chintibuna Sarupam, Govindamadi Purusham, Like you see, the picture of Hanuman. You ever seen the picture? He's tearing apart his heart, because I guess somebody told him Sita Ram was inside his heart. So. So uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I would listen carefully to to Mahajano Yenagatasapanta. There was a fellow, astrology type. A, we call him a tantric, who was famous in in Mayapur area, in Bengal, West Bengal. And after Prabhupada left, a number of devotees were going to him and. And he was giving predictions about ISKCON, about this and about that and so forth. And so, um, sitting with Sridhar one of the devotees said, and this was a famous tantric, so Sridhar knew of him also. So he said, oh, you know, the devotees went to this tantric and he said this. And, and so he wanted to hear Sridhar opinion. And Sridhar said, Mahajano yena gata supanta. That puts put the end to the tantric <laughs> altogether. It means we should follow in the footsteps of great souls because in their heart, hidden, guhyam, the secret of dharma, is found there. Therefore, guhyamakati, prichati. This is a symptom of love. We should try to interact with an advanced devotee in such a way that he or she will be inclined to reveal their heart to us. What a valuable thing that is. What's in the heart of, a, of, a, of an advanced devotee, that's a, such a valuable thing for us to hear about. So we should listen to such devotees, not, not, not astrologers, about how to practice Krishna consciousness. And do you pay him? 
I mean, may give some advice, but the realm of his, even, even, even then, you should you can pay him for astrological advice, but not for spiritual advice. They are two different things. So if he's giving spiritual advice, you should say, now you're going beyond your parameters here. Yeah, I pay for an astrologer, not for a guru. And gurus are free, anyway. <laughs> Why are you charging? <laughs> and how you know? He doesn't tell that to every client. Actually, Krishna's in your heart, and I can show you how to... That will be an extra session. <laughs> now, I don't mean to berate the... He may have good intentions and so forth, but I don't take that kind of advice seriously. Who will tell us about Krishna and how to communicate with Krishna? Is That's not the business of an astrologer. The fault, you see, of astrology is slight in one sense, but very big in another sense. There is one planet that the astrologers do not take into consideration in the, in the chart. That is called Goloka. Golok. And Golokair Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. The Sankirtan of the holy name of Krishna. That comes from there, from Golok to here. That is the most important planet. Do you understand? That's the one you want to go to, Krishna Lok. That's not within the chart. If you ask in his chart, he won't show Krishna Lok. How is Krishna Lok in your chart? Because Goloke Premodhan, Harinam Sankirtan. It comes through Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This Golok comes into your chart. Then everything changes. What did Prabhupada say about palmistry? We just clap three hand, times like this, and all the lines change. <laughs> so your destiny or you will be different when Krishna Lok is in your chart. And it's in the chart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sankirtan. So you take advantage of his teaching, hearing and chanting. It doesn't say anywhere in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Srimad Bhagavatam. So, as one of the Angas of Bhakti, see an astrologer. Otherwise, if you want to think in a general way as you have Krishna's friend, that is, that is good. That is, that is Anga of, of, of Bhakti. So, what else? You have uh, so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I thought another one. Um, sometimes if we're in a particular situation and our thoughts are to like get out of that situation, a lot of times devotees preach, well, that's your karma. You know, if you try and get out of the situation and you go to another situation, you're just going to have the same problem. So, you know, what's the point? You should just tolerate, you know. And, and I thought about this, and it seems like I'm not sure if it's, like, valid or invalid, because you could say, you know, like, for another example, like Thomas Edison, right? He created the light bulb. He made, like, a thousand other light bulbs before he made the real one. He tried. He just kept trying, you know, and failing so many times. And so... You know, he could have had that mentality. Well, you know, just my karma. I'm not going to... You know, somebody could have told him. I'm sure somebody did tell him, you know, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You know, this is 
stupid. You're just, you know. But so I'm just trying to see like, what's the difference between those two things? Because I think even Prabhupada has said something to the effect that if you're persevering, you know, even in the face of failure, you know, you can still accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. I mean, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and Everything has to be to taken with some balance. We're also told to find favorable circumstances for practicing spiritual life. We, we, we don't tell people that who, 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 who live in a, um, yeah, uh, yeah, in a situation that we would deem unconducive to spiritual practice just stay there and practice, do we? We don't get out of there. Find a conducive place and practice Krishna consciousness. So the real determining factor is, is this. If, if I'm telling you, just stay where you are and practice Krishna consciousness, but you just can't practice Krishna consciousness there, then my advice is not very good, is it? If the circumstances are such that they're impeding your capacity to actually practice, then you get to change the circumstances. That should be the guiding principle, that uh, get yourself in a situation that is conducive for your spiritual practice and culture. And, uh, and, and otherwise, these types of, this type of advice is, is, is counterproductive and it may be motivated. And it be really something that's, uh, you know, people get in situations where, for example, a, a, a temple is opened, there's an economy to it. Economy means the, the people are, are required. And so for the economy of the situation, you're being a particular type of advice is being given to you. But not if, who's giving is, is motivated and influenced by the circumstance and not purely in your, in your interest. Therefore, it's good, you see, and important to get advice from people who are are not uh, who are only have your interest in mind, who have nothing to gain. That's a, that's 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 the kind of person who can give the best advice to us. So it's it's obviously counterproductive if someone says, you know, tries to browbeat you into saying you should stay in this circumstance uh, and tolerate because that's what Krishna consciousness is about, persevere and uh, but you're you're going down. <laughs> then what's the, what's the meaning of that? Because as I said, as I said, the other side is there also. You should find create a favorable favorable environment for practicing Krishna consciousness. All the Goswamis did that. Their ashrams were beautiful places in Vrindavan. If you go to Sanatana Goswami's ashram overlooking the Jamuna, what it was like 500 years ago, he found a beautiful place to, to do his bhajan in Vrindavan. And some of those beautiful, beautiful places, which they do, but they did their budget now are very unconducive externally to spiritual practice. So I want you to have a dynamic th way of thinking about all these, all these things. Does that answer your question? There's a bottom line in everything, and that is your Krishna consciousness, how it's developing, and. Everything should be adjusted accordingly. So, what else? What's the time now? Quarter till, Quarter till 12. 12.
Okay, let's talk for a while then.